This is the Don't Forget to Breathe podcast. In these episodes, we discuss grief, emotions, mental health, loss, trauma, and death of loved ones. There may be triggers that touch pain and other emotions within you. We just want you to be aware before you listen. We hope this podcast will help you on your journey to emotional health. Welcome to Don't Forget to Breathe. I'm Bruce Barker, along with my co-host, Rena Collins. Hey, Rena, how are you? Hey, Bruce, how are you doing tonight? I am doing well. It's been, um, let's see, has it been a month since we... About that. It's been about a month since mm-hmm. we were in Tennessee for um, the wedding and did our That's recording. Right. And... Um, and so now we're, I'm back in Colorado, you're in Tennessee and here we go. So what we're going to talk about tonight is, um, we're going to do a little bit of a sort of a continuation of where, where we left off with uh, part two of the wedding season. When we started getting into, um, talking about, um, different kinds of grief and I know primarily, you know, these first two seasons, we focused on the grief of a parent losing a child. And, um, but it's also led into some, uh, some other, other griefs and just learning about the process and learning about, um, trauma and all of the things as, as we've just been diving a little deeper into this, um, on our podcast. And, you know, I can say for me, um, personally in, um, counseling that, you know, that I'm partaking in and I'm not the counselor, I'm on the other end and just things that I'm learning and that it's, um, that there's a lot more tied in together than just saying, this is, this is the grief that, I'm experiencing and trying to isolate it and, and set it apart that there's, there's a lot of it that's kind of tied in. Um, so Rena, can you tell our listeners what are, I mean, we know the obvious we've been talking about, um, you know, with the, the loss of a loved one. Um, so what other kinds of trauma, I'm sorry, what are the kinds of grief are, are we talking about? Yeah, that's a great question, Bruce, because for me, too, I had always associated grief with somebody dying, you know, and um, I think a lot of times we don't realize we're grieving because we don't name grief when we're going through different situations and losses, you know, it's almost like folks um, feel guilty in a way using the word grief if it doesn't involve a death, you know, and so one of the definitions of grief um, that we learn in grief recovery and um, that I, that I now talk to folks about is one of the definitions is, you know, the conflicting feelings over the, over a change in a familiar pattern. So when you think of that and you think of how many ways that, or how many things that can be applied to. So for example, 
you know, even if you land your dream job or you're moving to your dream house, um, there can be conflicting feelings. You can be really, really excited about moving towards something great. And then you can also have, you know, a loss, a loss of community, a loss of special neighbors and friends in the area. And that's a conflicting feeling over change in a familiar pattern. And so that opens the door to us really acknowledging that grief is a very appropriate name to give the emotion that goes with those kinds of losses too. So loss of job, loss of community, loss of church, family, uh, loss of trust. There are things too that aren't tangible that that cause grief. And you can't actually see it around you, but you feel it. You feel the loss, you feel the grief of it. And I just mentioned one there, loss of trust. Um, loss of safety is another big one. Loss of health. Um, loss of friendship. Uh, so, And there's more than 40 different kinds of losses. Loss of a pet. Um, and then, you know, with COVID last year, there was so much loss. And a lot of it wasn't tangible. Right? Mm -hmm, right? It was loss of community, loss of connection, loss of safety in the world. Um, so loss of trust in, you know, neighbors and loss of loss of trust in self even. And sometimes even loss of self when we lose ourselves, say in a relationship or when we lose touch with ourselves. So they're all the losses and, and it leads to grief. If it's change in a familiar pattern, it's grief. And so just allowing ourselves to name it allows us to heal it, you know, to 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 move towards it mm -hmm. because we can't heal what we won't allow ourselves to feel, you know. So um, so just those losses are so important to acknowledge, too. And like we say, um, too, we don't compare losses mm -hmm. because everybody's experiencing their loss at their capability and experience and so to tell somebody that you know your loss isn't as great as my loss you know nobody wants to win the grief trophy i sure no, don't no. no so and assigning that to somebody or giving a different value to someone else's grief because it's not the same as your grief mm -hmm. so yeah so lots of losses out there and sometimes it can be really freeing for folks to be told yeah it's okay to grieve this yeah i think you know, as you were mentioning those, um, I guess the label that I put on on them, um, which may, um, you know, I guess growing up or just, just in general is instead of using the word grief and naming it that way, it was just, um, oh, I'm sad about this mm -hmm. or this, this, um, hurt so right. it was like there were things that were sad and there were things that hurt but as you're describing them they all fall under a grief grief and, and then there's um and there's tools behind um learning to recover from grief because sad is <laughs> you know oh you'll feel better you know, you're right. not always going to be sad, right? But it's, and and because sad doesn't seem as um, 
as serious, I guess is, is it, that, you know, is one way to say it as grief. Grief is like, like you had said, the, the typical way or the, the common way to look at it was, um, you know, grief was around the loss, you know, around death. Right. Right. Um, and sure you, there can be the, you know, um, the death of a pet and there's, and then everybody gets it. Yeah. There's grief there, but all of the other stuff that, you know, all these other things that are truly grief, I know I have, I mean, we've just labeled them as, as that was sad. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, right. it's sad that you didn't get to, you know, play your senior year in your sport, you right. know, because of COVID that's sad, you know, but, right. but you'll, you know, you'll feel better. Like it's, it's easy right. to, 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 you know, where we, we talked about, you know, the stupid stuff people say, right. you know, when, when we're talking about grief and really, I guess it's the same thing when we try to put it under the label of sad. Oh, you're right. sad now, but you'll right. feel better. You're going to be happy. Right. Yeah. And completely skipping over the fact that of naming it as it's grief. If it carried that label, mm-hmm. I don't think um, we would be so quick to go, oh, you'll feel better. Right. You know, because yeah. it's heavy. It dismisses it. Yes, yeah. it dismisses it. It, it dismisses exactly. it by just making it just about that moment and not allowing it to 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 be what it actually is. It's grieving a loss. You know, even graduating high school, graduating middle school, it's a loss. It's a change in a familiar passion, you know, and you can be excited about moving on to the next level, but also sad about what you're leaving behind, right? So it's this conflicting, keep hitting that microphone, <laughs> this conflicting, I'm Irish, I talk with my hands, I can't help it. <laughs> I need to sit on them. But it's that conflicting, it's the conflicting emotions, for sure. And divorce and breakup of a relationship, you know, estrangement from family. That's all grief. It's grieving a loss. So just allowing yourselves to name it. I think we, you know, as a, you know, it's a cliche term or whatever, you know, but as a society that we're quick to label, label various things. So as a parent, um, you know, I'm looking at Okay, so you've got a child that's graduating from middle school to high school. And mm-hmm. and literally it's just it's like congratulations, you've done this. This is great. You're taking right. the next step. Not even slightly considering not everybody that you're in middle school with are going to go to the same high school as you. Like right. you've got friends going in different directions mm-hmm. and that there's a loss and not recognizing it. I know right. I as a parent and I and I would say probably the vast majority of our our listeners would you know could probably step back and go oh yeah i did exactly the same thing right you for know, sure or, i did yeah or with a divorce to right. go yeah well he was a jerk and right. so it's you know good for you well right. you didn't marry the jerk you married somebody right. you fell in love they're still right there's got to yeah. still be something there even though it's gotten to this point of here's what you know what has has had to take place For and sure. the healing that that and the courage that it took you know to do it um but you're not exactly getting the pat on the back uh, you're getting the pat on the back but you're not getting the hug like 
I understand that this is this is grief. Right. And it's grief for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then you know you mentioned um the the part about let's say it's uh moving, you know, to another another house that maybe it's the dream home. Mm-hmm. Right? Or you get that great job, that great promotion, and there's a change. So there's the joy that goes with that, but the grief of leaving that, you know, the the familiar patterns and the familiar setting. So how, um, and and I and we we've, we've kind of talked about this, I guess, a little bit, you know, in in previous podcasts about feeling joy, um when when there's grief like mm-hmm. to but this is i think this is something that it's very relatable um you know to our listeners that have have had these things happen where there's a joyous thing but oh you know you you right. left i mean we had that with a you know with neighbors that um you know, got this place that they really wanted and they were sad the day they were leaving going like, right. we're missing everybody. And you got, you got the house you've been wanting. Right. So how do you, what's the advice? What's the, the, your thoughts on experiencing both and handling both literally at the same time? Right. For sure. And so a lot of times as we talked about, you know, you're not allowed to say that you're sad when you're moving on to something so good and so exciting. You know, it's almost, well, yes, being told you're ungrateful if you're moving on to something that you've always wanted and aimed for. It's like, but what do you have to be sad about? And I feel even allowing ourselves to acknowledge that without guilt for feeling it, you know, um, it's one feeling one emotion does not mutually exclude the other because mm-hmm. your heart can you know allow you to feel multiple emotions at the same time so i feel giving yourselves per- permission to feel all the things and knowing that feeling and acknowledging the sadness does not negate the joy and the gratitude for the opportunities coming so a lot of times when we negate one it gets stuck mm-hmm. so you know, and again, it involves usually faking it and putting on that face for everybody else um, to not let people know that we're sad. Do you think that by labeling it truly what it is that it's grief? Do yes. you think that that may um, that may allow the space to then treat that differently? Like like mm-hmm. you said, to be able to have space for both. Mm-hmm. versus you know categorizing these other things of of oh you're just sad or you're ungrateful or you're but if right. it's under if it's under the the umbrella so to speak of grief there's a lot more grace that for sure and if yeah, grief and we becomes have more mainstream if we get that out in front right i'm not saying we like you and me we have to i'm just saying but if grief is out there and right. and is talked about more and starts to become more understood. Just the concept of grief, you know, right. like you said about, you know, conflicting feelings over the change of of a, a familiar, familiar pattern. pattern. Right. So that's the yeah. If people 
like our listeners can, you can start and start spreading the word. If that, if people understand that that's what grief truly is and that that covers so many things, do you Mm -hmm. think that that, that will allow us in our, in our human nature to make more space Mm -hmm. to allow for grace, to allow for whatever needs to, to take place. For sure. Yeah, I really do believe that. And that's kind of why you and I wanted to have this night about the different kinds of losses, you know, Mm -hmm. because we do need to get the word out. We do need to give it the proper label. We do need to have folks allow themselves to recognize that they are grieving. Um, and then for them to feel comfortable enough to share that uh, when when they're being questioned about why they're being sad when something really good is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so really to give folks the tools and the words and to recognize it for what it is and to give it the value of what it is, um, which can only allow for more grace to be shown when people understand what it is that you're that you're going through. Um, but Folks can't share what they're going through with the proper name unless they themselves allow themselves to use the word grief for this and know that it's not just about somebody dying. Right. It isn't. So. And it's not. And I think, you know, part of the fear might be that um, of over exaggerating, but it's not over exaggerating to say, you know, because mm. we've, we've associated mm. grief with, um, with someone dying, right. with, with grief with death, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that it's not an over-exaggeration, uh, you know, to say, I I got this great opportunity at this, you know, at this other company doing something that I've always wanted to do, and this is going to be the great thing for me, it's a great thing for my family, and, but I'm really grieving, mm-hmm. you know, leaving, leaving my old job. And it's not an over-exaggeration to be able to use the right term to be able to use that this is grief and I'm grieving this. For and sure. And again, not ungrateful, not, again, not an ex- over-exaggeration. If we right. can get that, pull pull grief away from s- the, s- the singular connection with death mm-hmm. to its true definition about yeah. that change the change, and that it is a normal, natural response to loss. It's not an abnormal response. It's a normal, natural response to loss. So just normalizing that. Um, sometimes folks can feel that, you know, grief is abnormal if uh, if it looks or sounds greater than someone else can hold space for. Or would, goes on longer than it should have, you know, in their estimation. In their estimation. But would, would you agree estimation. or would you say, I mean, our society is not, there is no space. There is no, um, I mean, certainly no defined um, parameters, I guess you'd say, around grief. Mm-mm. Because it, it seems like, you know, again, when we when we talked about you know the stupid shit people say, it's like uh-huh. that that's a societal thing. Like you got to move on. 
like life keeps going, like all right. of those, like, and and you've got to be doing it at the same time, right. like that. Um, again, quote unquote, society or whatever doesn't allow the space to really grieve and get in touch with it and understand right. it, right. um, and learn about it and seek help, seek counseling, because we're not programmed to to understand it and and how to deal with it. So, you know, what we've done is try to, I think as a society, just try to mull it over, um, shove it to the side, step mm-hmm. over it, you know, um, and keep walking, yeah. you know, kind Get of Get over it, yeah. you know, move, move on. Um, yeah, society has done a very poor job of holding space for our big emotions and grief being a very big emotion for sure. And again, the wrong tools have been passed on from, you know, generation to generation, right. which are all intellectual facts. And it's grief is in the heart. It's a heart. It's an emotion. So, and that's for sure. And that's the part that we don't have the control over. Like we, right. as far as our head, our head might right. think, but what our body does when it right. comes to this, as I'm learning, mm-hmm. um, right. <laughs> does not, it's just two different things. Completely and, different. You know, I, I think as we continue to explore this, one of the things that I would like to do, you know, to kick off season three, whenever we kick off season three is, is I want to bring on guests. So, right. you know, those of, of you listening, we want to, we want you to share your story, you right. know, what you're, what you're willing to share and to talk about it. I think, I know for me, when I hear someone else speaking something familiar to go, oh, I, I can relate to that. I can, oh, that makes sense. Um, when you hear someone else say it, even though you might have said it in your own head, you know, a hundred times, something might click. Right. And if we can hear this in other people's stories, because everybody's story is different, right. um, every situation is different, and to be able to to share that, that I think that we, um, and and even if it's like I say, it, it's not a pre qualifier to come on the show and as a guest that you um, have to have had a child die. Mm-hmm. I mean. Again, you're your hamster, right? Your cat, your dog. Anything. That is true. I mean, it's the grief. And talk about what that means, because I think that's going to help as as again as we take this and try to expand um right. the knowledge about what grief is. I think all that that will just help. And that's really I mean, that's the whole point of us doing what we're doing. We're just trying to right. help without telling you, well, here's how you do it. We're just mm-hmm. trying to trying to offer up. And there's going to be some things that people resonate with and some that that they don't. And and that's okay. But when that happens, um, you know, make a note, send us an email, um, right. reach out and um, you know, let us you know, take you by the hand and walk beside you. And, and cause there's a lot of people 
that are, I mean, it's a trauma-based world. Right. So. And that's the thing, too, that you bring up, you know, when you uh, expand the definition of grief to f- from not just death to any kind of loss, and you look around at the people around you in the supermarket or on the street or in cars next to you on the street, you know that with more than 40 different kinds of losses, that everybody you are bumping into is grieving. Sure. Everybody is grieving a loss. It may have been a loss that happened 10 years before or 25 years or yesterday or half an hour before or whatever, but everybody around you is grieving a loss of some kind. Probably multiple different losses. Um, And so in grief recovery, we actually do a loss history graph. So we go back to our dawn of conscious memory and we basically map our losses. And so for, I would say, everybody, um, it's the first time we've actually allowed ourselves to look at how many losses we have had um, since we were born. So so in that, do you mean, um, I'll use me as an example, that where I can, the, the thing that I remember um, mm-hmm. earliest, I must have been five? Or four, and I remember being in the front yard and um, my pet chihuahua running out, chasing, you know, just like super quick, ran out to chase a school bus. And, um, and the school bus hit oh, gosh. the dog. And, and I, like that would be so. That's a what you're saying in the in the mapping. That's when you're going like, okay, that's as far back as I can remember of a loss. But not only that. Again, what with again what I'm learning in in my counseling is not only was that a loss, but there was trauma because I remember right. hating school buses. I'm I'm remembering this now right. as we're talking about it of. Mm-hmm. I will never ride on a school bus. Now, granted, that didn't work out for me years later when right. my parents said, you're taking a bus to school. Right. It wasn't my choice. But I remember hating school buses. And I'm like, why did I hate school buses? That I just, I, they're yellow and I don't like, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't really realize, but the trauma and the loss. Right. So what you're saying is when you're doing this mapping is going back as far as that, Again, four or five that I can remember. I'm 60 now, so I'm I'm impressed that I can remember back that far. That that's the starting point to map things like well, that, we and then start, actually naming it. That's a great question. So we actually go back to you know whatever your first memory was. It may or may not have been a loss, but mm-hmm. we go back to that time, <clears throat> and then we map every loss that we remember from that oh. from that point, and so. Um, I am sorry, by the way, about your about your dog and the loss that you had at, at that age. And I, I, you know, I'm really curious if anybody ever thought to ask you why you didn't want to ride the school bus. Uh-uh, it sounds like you couldn't it. make the connection. And I, okay. yeah, and I don't think I, I did. I just remember that um, I made a big deal about 
Um, and at this time, again, this is in the um, late 60s, early 70s, way before many of our listeners were probably even born. But, and mom was at home, right? So my thing was, I made a big deal about her driving me to school until I could ride my bike. Again, this was a long time ago and it's safe in a neighborhood, ride your bike to, to school. Um, I hope that that still goes on. I hope that there's kids that are still doing that and, and feeling like there's some safe neighborhoods and, um, because it was a really cool thing to be able to do, mm-hmm. but I refused to ride a bus. Right. Right. But yeah, I don't remember, I can until now putting a an answer to why. I just, and I don't remember, um, I mean, she may have asked, and right. I could have, who knows what excuse I came up with. I have no idea. Right, you may not have known the connection yourself, yeah. but it sounds like you're discovering that, yeah, that was part yeah. of you not wanting to ride the bus was the connection with the loss of your dog. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now I have to say that every time I lead a client through the grief recovery program, you know, I share my own loss history graph so that they know what it looks like and sounds like to share it. But each and every time I have done that, it doesn't matter how many times I have done it and feel my graph is complete. Uh-huh. As I'm sharing it, I think, oh, Oh, there's another loss, and I never put that down there. Interesting. Every single time, and so it's it's just an it's an amazing experience to actually go through this program and to acknowledge the losses that we've had and how many different kinds show up on our loss history graph. So um, it's a pretty powerful exercise. So, Rena, what when you do that and you discover a new loss. What do you do with that? So you write that down, right? So there's something new that you discovered as you shared. Uh-huh. What do you yeah. do with that remembering of that loss? What do you what's Yeah, your another next great step? question. So <laughs> even acknowledging it is pretty huge. Mm-hmm. It's really yeah, it's pretty. It's a pretty big moment to actually think, oh my gosh, okay, that was another one. And that was a big one. I remember that one. And, you know, if I feel like I'm not complete in that, I will go do the loss history program again for that particular loss. So, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's a pretty big moment to actually allow yourself to acknowledge how many losses you've had in a lifetime. Um, And my first memory actually was at age three, and that was a loss. And it wasn't a tangible loss. So my first memory is when I was three and I was in the stroller and my mom would push me, you know, in the stroller to go to the grocery store. Uh And so, and I really didn't have the language at that point to tell my mom what was going on. So, But I remember in the stroller clearly that if she put the front two wheels down the step first, I felt like I was falling. So it was a massive amount of fear. Mm. But if she tilted the stroller backwards, um, I felt fine. But I could never tell her. 
And so I couldn't verbalize why I needed her to do this. But I remember feeling several feelings, fear, and then out of control. And then I remember feeling angry with my mom at age three because I assumed she should have known. Wow. And I thought, how do you not know that I'm scared? Like, how do you not know? So my first memory was actually a loss, and that was loss of safety and loss of trust. But I had no idea. But it shaped things. Mm. So, um, so yeah, lots of processing. So when I actually processed my, and uh, I don't really like the word processed, when I completed my my grief um, with with my mom, um, I I was able to to verbalize that, and um, yeah. It's pretty powerful to to acknowledge those feelings that my first memory was actually a, a loss memory and they weren't tangible things. Wow, that I mean that's fascinating to you know, and then and then it's making me want to go, you know, back further. And and so I'll tell you my this is gonna be so um it just it, well anyway. I can remember my first real memory of being in the crib. Right. Standing in the crib. And I confirmed this, I remember confirming this years later with my mom. We lived in a um it was a stone house, so it was made of stone. Mm-hmm. And this was in the south in the um up in the hills. Whatever, I won't get any details on that. But they and I and I found out later that they had we had left and they they had to do some sandblasting or something. There was something that they did with with the rock. So it was like literally rocks on the inside, rocks on the outside, um, big stones. And what that did, I guess, is it um, it disturbed. There were basically little scorpions. Mm. I remember being in the crib and standing in the crib and looking down and um, seeing a scorpion and my dad taking his pocket knife and stabbing the scorpion in in the back Mm. to kill it and seeing Mm -hmm. a scorpion and then little saucers around the, um, the legs. And so then when, that was my memory, that was all of it. But then when I, I remember asking, again, years, years, years later, when I'd ha- had the memory and asking my mom about it, and she was going, yeah, that happened. That was, because mm-hmm. I didn't know if I was just making this stuff up or whatever. Right. And like, yeah, that actually happened. And she said in those, that wasn't a saucer, it was like a, a lid from a jar. And they, okay. <laughs> this will sound really bad. So they put <laughs> kerosene in it. Okay to keep the scorpions from climbing up. They wouldn't right. cross it to get on the legs to climb up into the crib. Right, right. And um, till that, yeah, that was my earliest, earliest memory. So never been a big fan of scorpions, but not that that really had anything to do with it. I think it's just scorpions in general. Right. So I knew I could never make it on, you know, Fear Factor or Survivor or anything like that if they've got to eat scorpions because I'm not touching one. Now that may relate back. I don't know, but 
That's interesting to go all the way back as far as you can remember your first memory. And that's mm-hmm. really my first memory. Yours was, I mean, you were just much more in tune with like those feelings that you felt. So I didn't, I haven't thought about what did I feel watching that? I don't know. But that's what the, that's what the grief rec- recovery program does. And that's why it's so different wow. is it taps into the emotions um, and acknowledges the emotions and acknowledges what the heart and, is feeling. So, yeah, so that that's a pretty powerful exercise. And as I said, every single time I share mine, I remember another one and it just adds to it. Um and even recently, I've had some things going along and I've had some loss of trust and I've had some loss of health and I've had some things going on, which are not tangible losses. So nobody on the street would know that I had had some losses going on and had some grief process going on. Um, but it's just a really good reminder when we think of the multiple different losses that there are. And like I said, when I share mine, I I realize I've had more. And that's the case for most people. Um, Just extending grace to those around us, knowing that everybody is grieving something. Mm -hmm. Everybody, everybody we bump into has experienced a loss or multiple losses um, of different kinds. Well, I think, I mean, I'm glad that we we talked about this tonight, and I think that, you know, tying back into our last episode, um, where we mentioned like getting the word out, doing this this program, um, right. and that there, in addition to that, like after you um, do this program, that there's actually a there's a training to become a certified grief specialist. Can you talk about that, like just real briefly? Mm-hmm. Um, so you don't have to have any special degree or qualification to become a grief specialist. You go through the program. Um, I'm not sure. I'd have to check and make sure that they were opened up again post COVID. I have mm. a feeling that they are, but I have to check. And they travel around the country and. Um, host the trainings and their four-day intensive weekends. And um, it's just very powerful. The first ever podcast I actually um, recorded was a couple of years ago now, and it was called Holding Space for Big Emotions. And what doing this grief recovery program does is it teaches you, trains you how to hold safe space, sacred space. That's what I like to refer to it with my clients. This is a sacred space for you to have your big emotions, um, to know that they have that, to know that it's available. And so when you become certified, you can lead groups, you can do one-on-one um, programs, and it's basically to provide the safe container for the big emotion of grief um, so that healing can take place and the feelings don't need to be hidden behind this fake smile so that everybody thinks we're okay. Right. You know, so. So that's, 
that's for those that want to take um take this farther and be on on the healing side of it so to speak um mm-hmm. but then what about those that um what about just doing the the grief recovery work itself doing the the program for sure what's yeah what's it's a in seven that? to it's a seven to eight week program either group or one-on-one um, you can find grief recovery specialists online at griefrecoverymethod.com. You can search your area and they'll have a list of, of people available who are trained to hold this sacred space. Um, and the thing is, even if people aren't ready to go into a program um, to do that, even reading the book can be very validating and very supporting. And then Knowing too, for other folks who aren't doing that, but who are in, um, who are trying to support somebody who's grieving, just knowing the right tools to use and not to go down the intellectual facts or stupid shit that people say. Right. Right. So there's multiple different ways that you can use the program to, to help people feel safe in their grief. That's awesome. So, yep. All right. Well, um, I think we'll wrap it up for now. And um, again, if there's something that we've talked about tonight that resonates with you or you've got a question or a comment or whatever, please reach out to us. Um, mm-hmm. You can, um, there's links on the website. Uh, don't forget to breathe podcast.com. And um, so we're, we're pretty easy to find. There's also uh, um, Facebook or Instagram. Honestly, both. Yeah, okay, both. <laughs> both. So you can find us there again. Don't forget to breathe podcast. podcast. Um, and just look for that same logo, that same heart, uh, that painting. Um, that's how you'll spot it and know it's us. That's what's on this particular podcast that you'll see on on your different devices. Whether you're you're streaming this. Um, you know, through Spotify or Google or, or Apple or wherever, um, look for that same logo. Um, and then you'll know it's us and then you can reach out to us and, and let us know. And then also if you're interested in, in coming on as a guest and, and sharing your story and talking with us, uh, or even asking a question, we may have questions for you. Let us know that as well. Um, as we start to plan and put some of that um, together. Uh, and we will absolutely be exploring the different kinds of grief when we do that. So whether um, you've had a child who has died or um, in, in, in whatever way that may be or other forms of grief, um, we'd like to talk about it and like to have you on. So... All right, until next time, um, thanks for listening. Good night.